Hey, Chris, we watched a bunch of movies this weekend. So many movies. To to total movie time, how many minutes? Like, 500? Um, what's, like, seven hours? Five, Three, five, th six, uh, sixteen. We, we, no, try, we, we, we're not here for math. But anyway, we watched a lot of movies this weekend, and we're about to talk about them. It doesn't get as spicy as you'd hope, but it does still get kind of spicy. So, hope you stay to the end for all that spice. I, I want to throttle. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's okay. Well, let's just like roll the intro. We done watched like a lot of movies this week. Yeah, it was a lot in one weekend, at least compared to what I normally watch. I'm yeah. usually a one and done kind of guy, you know. <laughs> and and in a way, you watched a lot more than me, if for no other reason than you have Dune on me this week. Yes, but we both we both went to the theaters. We watched last night in Soho, and we both saw Eternals. And then for the first time this week, you got around to watching Dune, which is. An almost three-hour-long sci-fi epic. It's... Okay, I know... I don't think we're leading with that one, but it's so good. I loved it. I loved it so much. It's great. Villeneuve is a delightful director, and I love his style. But you're right. We're not going to lead with that. Um, In fact, I think we should, we should go ahead and actually... We should lead with Last Night in Soho, because I think there is the least amount to talk about with that, and, and, it, and that's not a bad thing. Yes, there's a specific specific reason as to why we don't want to talk too much about it, and that'll probably come across very shortly. Yeah, it, basically, um, if you haven't heard about this or you don't remember us talking about it on a previous episode, it is an Edgar Wright psychological thriller slash horror movie starring uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, and uh, I feel really bad because I have forgotten the name of the actual lead actress in the movie. She's very good. Yes. I can't uh, remember what I've seen her in before. I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie. That's right. So, okay. yeah, she's, she's the lead lead. I didn't know anything about this movie going in. Like, it, literally nothing. To the point that Matt Smith e even being in the movie was a surprise and a delightful one. Had you seen the trailer? No. Oh, see, I'd seen the trailer. That's why I was... I knew uh, there was some weirdness of, like, her seeing slash living memories of uh, Sandy. Uh, but that was all I really knew. And as that the plot progresses, you're like, oh, okay. Okay, I kind of get it. Yeah, no, the, the only thing I knew about the movie going in, the only things I knew was it was written and directed by Edgar Wright, it starred Anya Taylor-Joy, and it was supposed to be a horror movie. Those were the only three things I knew. And I, I'm glad I went in that blind. I, I don't know if the trailer would have given too much away. I'm not going to advocate for not seeing the trailer. I will just say that I'm glad I went in entirely blind to this. And it delivered on everything I wanted an Edgar Wright horror movie to be. Yeah, I'd only seen the trailer one time. Um... But it was enough for me to put the movie... It's what put the movie on my radar. Because I saw the trailer and went, Oh, I definitely want to see this. This looks sweet. And I don't think it spoils much. Again, we're probably not going to talk too much detail-wise of it. Because just given the nature of the movie, 
any plot points we talk about are huge spoilers, and you kind of just need to w- go watch the movie and experience it for yourselves. Right. Uh, are you? Do you know? Are you much of a fan of Edgar Wright? I can't say. I can't name other movies of his that I would have seen. That doesn't mean I haven't seen them. I just right. don't know. No, you definitely have. Uh, Edgar Wright, I feel like, exists on the periphery of auteur directors. Like, if you say Tarantino or Wes Anderson, uh, you or, I mean, like, the bigs like Spielberg or Kubrick, you, you know works that they have done or you know them by name. Edgar Wright should be there, but I don't think he quite is. Um, he has done, like, his first big movie was Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and so then he has done all the movies in that trilogy being Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Uh, he has also done Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and my personal favorite, Baby Driver. Okay, okay. See, I was never a huge fan of, like, the Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead style movies. Um, what do you mean by just, that? They just didn't. It, it just, I was like, eh. The, the, just the, the, the premise of them did not connect with me to be like oh yes i want to sit down and watch this whole thing just that kind of that kind of thing um i really like baby driver um less so after the obvious uh shit with what's his face kevin Um, spacey yeah that was which is unfortunate because kevin spacey is phenomenal in that movie yeah but it's just also like ooh, that was like the last movie he did before all that shit came out and you're like oh no yeah kevin why (laughs) why are you awful uh, it actually makes it even more fun to watch the beginning of Black Panther, or not Black Panther, I'm sorry, Black Klansman, uh, because Kevin Spacey opens the movie. Like, it's it's the only part of the movie he's in. It's just, like, the first three minutes, and it's just, like, an overtly racist dude making a propaganda racist movie, but it's, like, a behind-the-scenes thing, so the character keeps messing up the line, and they're just, like, smash-cutting between takes of it. It's, it's a very funny opener, and in... In the aftermath of the Kevin Spacey situation, it has not diminished whatsoever. <laughs> if you haven't seen Black Klansman, watch Black Klansman. I also, um, I, I really liked uh, Scott Pilgrim as well. I watched that a lot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, I would say I am then, I guess, a fan of his. Wait, and did his he style, do Ant Man? What? Uh, he started doing Ant Man. Oh. Uh, Disney. I, I don't know if they fired him or if he left over creative differences, but Ant-Man was his, and he got booted out of production like halfway through. Interesting. Um, in fact, I, I believe he has been quoted as saying before, he really wanted to make a Marvel movie, but Disney did not want to make an Edgar Wright movie. Fair. I can get that. Yeah, because, I mean, like, so so you're you're more familiar probably with something like Scott Pilgrim, which is in its own right an incredibly stylized movie. Yeah. Um, but Edgar Wright has a style all his own uh, that I think is still present in a movie like Last Night in Soho. Um, it it almost feels like a Wes Anderson movie, in so far as the details of his cinematography is very clean. A lot of use of color. It's all very bright and poppy. Uh, and and in a horror movie, that's still something that Last Night in Soho uses to tremendous effect. Is it tech? Is it considered a horror movie? Uh, I am looking at it on Google, and it is described as horror slash psychological horror. 
I guess we've we've talked about this before, right? Of like, what is what? How do you define horror? Right. Just because, like, to me, I wouldn't. I actually don't know what the hell I would define a horror movie as. It would be like really scary. So for me, it's usually like ghost movies that are actually good. Um, this I would I would definitely put it in the psychological. Um, I just didn't think there were enough spooky scenes. No, it's well, a, it's a slow know. ramp for sure. Um, because <laughs> like even watching the movie, we were like forty five minutes in, and I was thinking this this is supposed to be a horror movie, right? Oh, and then the second half happens, and you're like, right. yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And and the second half, like you said, is not overtly scary, but it but it is it's supposed to be. It it is uh legitimately terrifying imagery, but oh, yeah. in a way where the horror aspect of it is very grounded in very human problems that's not necessarily the fantastically horrific nature that you would typically find in something described as a horror movie. Um, because unfortunately, Less Iron Soho is a movie about rape and the general abuse of women in the fashion and modeling industry. And uh, that's fucked up to talk about and is not necessarily what you expect to find in a horror movie. Yeah, well, you don't even really get to that theme until, like, three-fourths of the way through the movie. Sure. And I was like, oh, they're going all in on this because I, I don't know. I don't know how much we want to talk about. I don't think that spoils stuff, does it? Uh, I, I don't think so. Th- these words mean nothing to you having not seen the movie. Um, but y- y- you, y- it, it kind of, like, keeps you guessing for a while. And then you go, oh, they're going down this path with what is happening i i because at at, on the onset you have no idea it's gonna go towards just showing some of that um which i was like wow especially the the, the one scene where like she sees everything you're like oh oh this is some fucked up shit yeah it uh it becomes an uncomfortable watch at multiple points in the second half i mean if we if i kind of want to talk about some of the ending with spoiler tags, but I I think we should wait be just because uh the uh, what we talked about after right after the movie we we both had like a similar gripe about one it was major but <laughs> we were like I I don't know I don't know that yeah. that it, it seems was uh, it was a little problem of suspending disbelief I think yeah because because like I said it, it was it was kind of just a gripe it was a little bit of a nitpick it didn't diminish the rest of the movie for me. But oh no! Was just a problem we both had. <laughs> we, we, I just like we came out. And we're like, yeah, that was kind of like, eh, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the whole, we both really liked the movie. Oh yes, I highly, highly enjoyed it. Uh, that is definitely gonna be one that goes on my recommendation list to friends. Um, once that is no longer, once it's either on a streaming service or able to uh, purchase. Yeah, and I I hope, it, it is at a disadvantage being a horror movie, but I hope that when awards season comes around, it is in the conversation for something. Probably yes. not Best Picture, um, but maybe Original Screenplay? Oh, yeah, I think so. Because, I, I mean, it kind of, it's not necessarily a body swap movie by any means. Um, it kind of plays off of some of those tropes a little bit. Uh, but it is pretty, 
you, it, it, I'd say it's a fairly unique concept that I can't really point to other movies where I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I've seen something very similar before. Yeah, which was also why it was so satisfying to go in with no expectations whatsoever, because that even just elevated that fact that I, I had no idea where the movie was going, and at multiple points I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me in a good way. Oh, yeah, we got we both got bamboozled hard, like, at least two times. Yeah. So, really, really good movie. Edgar Wright is a personal favorite director of mine, and he did not disappoint whatsoever with this one. And he didn't uh, break my—he he, he kept, me, kept me straight where he made a movie where I didn't think any of it was unnecessary. So, we'll get <laughs> into more of that later. <laughs> yeah, which uh, I guess is uh, worth noting, given that the movie is right around two hours long. It's my thing, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's the sweet spot. Whenever you deviate past, most of the time, it's not 100%, but it makes it a lot. You open yourself up to having sections of your movie that uh, make the movie drag, which this 100% did not have. I thought everything was like, okay, it was, the flow was great. It had great pacing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I had to leave to go to the bathroom at one point in the middle of the movie, and I, I really did not want to do that because... I was I was locked in. I was here for the movie. I was enjoying every single minute of it, and I didn't want to walk away. Yeah. Samesies. Um, now, in a different way, uh, I think we can talk about Dune a little bit, um, which, like I said at the top of the show, is an almost three-hour-long sci-fi epic from Denis Villeneuve. Um, which you really, really, really liked, and I also did really like, but I don't think quite as much as you. Um, I have seen the movie twice, though, uh, and you just saw it for the first time this week. Yes, I want the uh, equivalent of the Snyder Cut. Give me, like, give me what this movie should have been in all five hours of the first book. Like, <laughs> give me the whole first book. Yeah. Really, they should have uh, just let Villeneuve shoot the movie, like both movies, part one and two, at the same time, save everybody some money, and not make us wait two years for the next one. It's kind of fucked that they had... That That just means they didn't have almost any faith that this was going to be a hit. Right. And, and like, I get why. Um, they were obviously very wrong, because Dune has... Like, like... <laughs> <laughs> All right, a little bit of a sidebar. Apple TV just released this movie Finch on Apple TV. It's a new that- Tom Hanks movie. Okay, um, yeah. It is also, like, kind of a sci-fi thing. Um, and and I have seen the tagline in the commercials for this movie that it's the biggest movie of the year, which is, like, the most generic advertisement movie thing you can throw in a trailer or a commercial. And I think that's so fucking funny to put in your commercial in 2021 when Denny Villeneuve put out Dune in the same year. Dune is the biggest movie of the year. Like by every metric. Like and I don't e- I don't even know uh, I don't really know what could top it. Uh just because of how grand of a movie experience it is. Uh I know some people have had some gripes with the ending. I don't care. We can get it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I I thought the pacing for a movie that long, 
I mean, I was locked in the whole time. I watched it at home and was like not on my phone at all. So that should tell you something. Uh, I, I, I was, I, I mean, granted, I love these types of settings for anything. You give me space politics and I will eat that shit up. Uh, very, and not to the same extent, uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes vibes because that is drastically different. <laughs> but in a similar vein of a being a like equivalent of a space opera, uh, kind of similar. Um, so I, I guess I didn't know that Dune was basically just space politics. I thought it was more of an action movie, mostly because of how they marketed it. Um, but to my surprise, I was just, I was just like, Oh wait, it's just space politics. This is dope. And this is shot so well that I, I'm, I'm just in all the time. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I mean by, like, I don't necessarily blame the studios for not being certain of Dune's success. Because when it comes to sci-fi, which is already a genre that doesn't get, like, a lot of mainstream respect, um, which is changing in recent years, but generally, sci-fi is still seen as, like, a pulpy kind of, like, genre that's just, like, going for fun, or it's Star Wars, you want to see the laser swords... Um, sci-fi is like at its best when it's horror or action but if you look to sci-fi literature it's so much more uh, because hard sci-fi is about the politics and it's about the world building and it's telling stories that exist in sci-fi universes without the sci-fi of it all being the driving force and that's what I think is the soul of a movie like Dune yeah, I mean, that's why Gundam's so fucking popular. It's not necessarily the giant mechs fighting each other, but it's the politics behind why they're in certain battles and all that kind of shit. Yeah. it's. I think they were talking about it on Trash Taste, but um, they were talking about how it was marketed more as an action movie, um, but then it was more about politics. And I think Connor made a comment. It was like, I mean, it's kind of hard to advertise politics, you know? <laughs> right. But but then, like, people love that shit. People love political dramas. Uh, when it's, especially if you put it in a world where it's not, like, based on real life shit, they really like political dramas. Uh, mostly, especially when they're from good, um, uh, no, I guess novels. I, that's not the word I'm looking for, but good literature. Like that's, it, it's not just. I'm trying to think. Has there been a good, a like Game of Thrones slash Dune type of story that has been put on film, whether it be TV movies, that was original. Like it was, it was just originally conceived as a show or movie. Well, like, what do you mean by, like, Game of Thrones or Blade Runner? Like a political stakes oh. type fantasy and fantasy sci-fi show. That might be too specific. Yeah, yeah, I could Because, like, you. both of those that's come... Definitely, that's not something that's in my wheelhouse, at least. Yeah, because, I mean, like, both of those come from novels, and I think that's what makes the stories so good, is that there's a reason why the novels are bestsellers, because they're written very well. Yeah, um, and that also brings up a question of pacing, um, like you wanted to point out with the ending. Like, Dune is a huge book, 
it's a big fucking book. And and the the question of pacing when it comes to literature or movies is inherently different. To the point that I I either don't know enough about books to be able to define what good pacing is or good pacing doesn't exist in literature, which doesn't sound <laughs> right, but when a book is that long and you're just kind of along for the ride, like like a movie is within Con, con confine like well-defined parameters of length and you know that shit has to happen within at most typically two and a half hours but books can take weeks to read and they can be thousands of pages and when you're adapting something you gotta cut it out you gotta trim the fat um and even in a, in, in in a movie that is being adapted into two parts like dune you're still not gonna cover everything and there's still a lot that they're cutting out but that's why um, you know, without getting too spoilery about it at the moment, the ending kind of just happens. The movie just cuts off with no real resolution to anything because it was conceived and written as a part one to be paired directly with a part two. And when you watch both of them together, that's probably when the pacing is going to make sense. Yeah, and and I, I would say as it pertains to the ending, for, for those who are like, oh, it just kind of ends. I'm like, okay, but he... They didn't sacrifice the integrity of the story overall for the fact that they were only going to get one movie up front, which I kind of respect. Like, that's that's a boss move to be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to rush this story. It might just end, but, like, it's not going to – it's not going to – I'm not going to do the book disservice by by speed running the second half just so that the movie has a logical conclusion. Yeah, because that's how most two-parters would be, where, like, each part tells its own contained story so that it's satisfying in its own way, but leads into the next one naturally. Like like For, how any Star Wars movie does. Or I'd say how uh, Infinity War and Endgame happened. Yeah, yeah, that, that is an even better example. Because those were essentially one story told across two movies. Right, with two different plot lines between them. Yeah. But Dune, right now, does not feel like that is the case. And these two movies are going to be intrinsically linked into a probably five-plus-hour cinematic experience. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would be shocked if the second one's not also two and a half hours or around that. Right. Uh, and and I, I hope... I, uh, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just, just going to say, it's... I don't I haven't really experienced the reaction I've had from Dune uh in western media before. Um it what I came out of watching that going, okay, I need to know where the fuck all this is going. I'm ready to read the book, <laughs> all the books, which typically only happens to me through watching anime where I'm like, damn, that was a really fucking good show. I know I have no idea if this is getting another season, so I'm going to pick up the manga to figure out like w- how this story continues. Right. I've never, well, I can't remember the last time I watched. I actually didn't do that with Game of Thrones, but um that's cuz I knew it was going to keep coming out. Like I don't know, like are we going to get movie adaptations of all the Dune books? Probably not. I'd yeah, be kind of surprised. A lot of Dune books. Aren't there only there's six of them? Yeah, but that, that's that's a lot. Yeah, I um, mean, and that's probably not including the prequels written by his son, which I think have not actually been received very well. Uh, you know, whatever. But uh, I, 
so I guess I guess it makes sense that I haven't watched a lot of Western media that has made me want to do that because um, a lot of like movies are adaptations of one-off books, not series. So it was kind of um, a welcome surprise to be like, oh, a movie that makes me want to just go read. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I think it's a good thing too that Dune is still as good as it is while cutting out so much content from the books that even if you waited for the next movie to come out and you watched both of them and you enjoyed that, you probably still could read the books and get probably an entirely different experience just because of how much more content is in there that they wouldn't be adapting. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, it's a political story and there's a lot going on. Oh yeah. I got that. I mean, just from the one the one watch like you've seen it twice you probably picked up on a lot more of it but like just from the one watch i'm like yeah i can definitely tell that there's probably this crazy ass backstory behind this character this character this character this faction that faction the the long relationship between these factions and why they want to you know kill each other all that shit and i I still think i mean that that makes me even more impressed at the the movie and that it was able to Trip, like you said, trim it down to a, a. Here you go. This is this is what we. This is how much time we have to get this across, and it still gets it across pretty well. You don't have the full context, but you still, you know, understand what's going on. Yeah, you you get enough for it to be satisfying. <clears throat> um, and I was gonna say, I I hope that especially in a post Avengers Endgame world, and and even. In a post-COVID world, we're not post-COVID, but in in a post-COVID world where AMC is trying to figure out new ways to stay in business, um, I I hope that when Dune 2 comes out, that I can get a ticket to a screening that is just going to be both movies back-to-back. I want that experience, and I want it in a theater. Oh, I'd block out a whole day for that shit. Yeah, especially, I mean, it would be an IMAX. So, like, yeah, I would sit in an IMAX for six hours to watch all of Dune. 100%, no hesitation, I would get that ticket. Well, why wouldn't they, Chris? Because remember, AMC makes movies better. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I've i been meaning every week to bring up AMC's new marketing uh, because I, I have noticed in their app and in their theaters that they're, uh, they're, they're very much pushing the elevation of the movie experience being in a movie theater and and the 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 motto or the slogan we movies are better here or we make movies better whatever permutation of that it is i forget exactly it's we make movies better thank you um i hate it i hate it so much <laughs> uh and i i had noticed um like months back closer to the start of the year if i went to a movie um, like a quiet place, then sometimes there would be little featurettes right before the movie started that would have either the actors or the director uh, talking to the audience saying thank you for watching our movie in theaters and they always got to throw in that it was always intended to be watched in theaters and I get it. I like the movie going experience. I, I like seeing things in theaters a lot more than sitting at home, but you're laying it on a little thick, guys. I'm already here. Leave me alone. Right. And, I mean, I get I get saying, oh, it was always intended to be seen in theaters. Okay, but look, you got to start looking forward. Um, And 
no matter how much you think that, it's not going to be the case forever. I don't think movie theaters will go away anytime soon, but the primary method of watching them is, I would almost say already, watching them at home over watching them in a theater. So, yeah, you know, thanks for the sympathies, but, like, also, come on, you got, I mean, you got to be thinking forward, too. Right. Yeah, I think in the future, movies are going to be more of a premium experience, um, just as, like, that's the way the theaters are probably going to stay afloat, um, but also with the advent of more streaming services, uh, big companies like Disney and, of course, HBO Max, seeing success in day and date releases in theater and home release. Yeah, I think that is just how things are going to be. And maybe we should think about how to augment the home viewing experience uh, as well as the theater experience. Um, The theater can be a premium experience. Let's just make all the screens IMAX. Um, Oh, fuck yeah. But uh, but let's respect the people that don't have the money or the time and wants to watch it at home. That all being said, if you haven't seen Dune yet, do yourself a favor and see it in theaters. Because I watched it at home and I'm now really sad that I haven't gone and seen it in theaters. Because that movie would be fucking awesome in a big screen. And, and, and if you could, you have the privilege or the, the ability to see it in Adobe or an IMAX, I'd even recommend that. Because it's a beautifully shot movie. The soundtrack's awesome. And I'm kind of sad that I didn't first experience this in a movie theater. Yeah, I'm I'm generally the same. I watched it at home the first time, and then the second time I did see it in a theater, but <clears throat> I saw it in just a regular theater viewing experience. And and while seeing it in a theater at all was still objectively better to me than watching it at home, I do feel like this movie demands the IMAX experience. This this is the definition of a movie that needs to be seen on the biggest screen possible. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because like we said at the top, this is the biggest movie of the year in almost every sense. In the scale, the cast, the director, the budget, the effects, the action. Because even if it is a political story, the action is there, and it's very good action. Oh, yeah. So definitely, you want to see this in theaters if you can. And those giant worms on a big screen. Oh, my Bruh. God. <laughs> the forbidden butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Worms is fucking dope. Uh, th- you know, that, that's actually another thing I've wanted to mention, too. Um, do you know which streaming service is actually my favorite to watch anything on? Uh, Peacock. <laughs> no, no, it is not. It is not Peacock. Uh, it's actually Amazon Video. Oh, Big Daddy Bezos gotcha, huh? Well, so the... Amazon Video is the only platform that I think is actually doing anything worthwhile to augment the home viewing experience. Um, I know you've watched at least something on there because you've seen Invincible. Yeah. Um, I don't know if their apps would do this, but at least in the browser viewing experience for Amazon Video, um, if you have your mouse over the video, then when the controls come up, the pause and the fast forward and the scrub bar and all that, it also has trivia off to the side. Huh. Because, like, like if there's a scene with a character and you bring your mouse up, chances are on the left side of the screen, it will pull up the actor playing that character. Or 
in a particular scene, it might give you a fun fact about the production or the history of that scene, depending on the kind of movie you're watching. And, you know, it's not something I actively want to engage with, especially not when I'm watching something for the first time. But that, like, just, just going that little extra bit is like, yeah, this is something unique to the home viewing experience that I wouldn't get anywhere else. And uh, it makes it a little more interactive and a little more enjoyable. Yeah, I know I know it does do that on the app version as well. It's just a lot harder to interact with because um, it's the same. It's like if you're going to pause, uh, it'll show you. I've, I've seen that on stuff I've watched, on live action stuff of like, or even in Invincible too, I think. Like it'll show you who the voice actors of the characters are yeah. on screen or who the actors are for the characters on screen if it's not animated. Um but like you said, it's not something you, you 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 would interact with it even less on the on the app side because you don't have your mouse to wheel willy nilly just like put on screen. It's only if you're touching the controls to pause that that it pops up. Yeah, and granted, I'm a guy that loves his director's commentary, and I I also hope that uh, people get with the program with home releases and give me all those special features on the streaming services. Because uh, I love director commentary, I love behind the scenes stuff, and and the Amazon thing, it, it's a step in that direction, which is especially helpful when you're watching something like The Boys Are Invincible, which is an adaptation of something, and that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm going to be pulling shit up as I'm watching, doing research, dodging spoilers, because I want to know more about the thing I'm watching. Yeah, it is a it is an interest it's it is a un, it's definitely a unique a unique feature. Oh my god, can I speak? <laughs> uh, a unique feature that Amazon has going for it because I don't think any other uh, streaming service has anything close to that. No, I don't think so. So the other movie we watched this week, uh, which we did go see in a Dolby theater, was Marvel's Eternals, and we just saw this yesterday. Yeah. As of this recording, um, before we talk about that movie, um, which you you you've probably heard about by now, and we're gonna parrot some of the same stuff. Um, I, I want to talk about the trailers that played in front of it. Oh my god! Okay, I completely forgot. <laughs> Those were some of the most bipolar trailers for a kids a a kids audience that I've probably ever seen. Yeah. Um. There was an actual toddler not too many seats down from us in this theater. <laughs> because, like, it's it's a Marvel movie. It They're all rated PG-13, and they're always going to be until the end of time. Except for Deadpool. He gets a pass. Um, and it was just so weird that there was more than one R-rated movie trailer playing in front of this. And, and then also the trailer for Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> Like we got the House of Gucci trailer. Is that the? Did we get the trailer for the the women spies in that one, or yeah. is that from that was in that that was in? I think so. Eternals. I, I couldn't so. remember if that was Eternals or uh, Last Night in Soho, but we also got the like, King's Man. Yeah, the King's. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here, Disney? Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ! And and I don't think this one's gonna be R-rated, but it feels like it should be. But we also got Morbius. Oh my god, that was like well, the most violent one. Yeah. And I and I want to talk about that one specifically too because I I had not seen the Morbius trailer prior and in my head Morbius has been kind of a meme just because I I don't like the Venom movies and it's coming from that same 
like production house. Dude, I'm bad. Just it. just to say Sony owning Spider Man properties. Um I'm bad. I, I was not excited for Morbius, but I wasn't like panning it. Um but after that trailer, I'm fucking in, honestly. Yeah. I I I hope it's not one of those oh bitch and trailer movie sucks because it could <laughs> yeah. be, but that trailer is awesome. Yeah, and granted, I'm still third. I'm I'm, I'm a middle school age girl at heart, so I'm still all about vampires. I'm into it. I love it. Um, <laughs> and it it looks it looks better than it really has any right to be. Um, Chris, he's a bat, not a vampire. Oh my god, he is a Batman. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's Spider Man stuff. So they're all just the qualities of animals so he is the batman (laughs) oh that was one we saw the trailer for the batman too didn't we yeah and i i cannot get enough of that trailer man it's gonna i think we're actually gonna we're we're gonna finally get the adaptation of batman where it's like yeah bruce wayne's just fucking insane (laughs) yeah um and uh you know robert pattinson Used to be in a similar situation as Jared Leto to me, where I I don't think still I have seen Jared Leto in a role I've actually really liked him in. Like, as an actor, Jared Leto has never been that notable to me. Uh, But Robert Pattinson, he's he's on a hot one. He's got a hot streak going. Have you seen Dallas Buyers Club? I have not, no. Because that was kind of his breakout movie with him and him and McConaughey just because they were both skinny as shit <laughs> I actually haven't seen it but I've heard it is very good oh you haven't seen it either okay. no I just know I just know Jared Leto is that was like the first movie I remember hearing Jared Leto be in ah uh, um, okay that makes more sense because I thought you were talking about Robert Pattinson and I was trying to remember Dallas Buyers Club oh no 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 yeah I was talking about Jared Leto okay yeah that makes sense um, cause obviously I, I really didn't like his turn as Joker. Um, yeah, I, that's not good. At first I was able to find some redeeming qualities about the, uh, and, and that this is not Jared Leto's fault. It's, it's the, the direction of the movie in general, but I did not like him as Joker. Um, I mean, he wasn't bad in fight club, but he didn't have a super big part in that. So yeah, it's just, he, he's been under my radar for a while. Um, but Morbius might change that. Might. It might. We can only hope. Yeah. Um, just like Robert Pattinson won our hearts in The Lighthouse, you and me. Oh, hell yeah. And now is, uh, you know, it's it's going to be hard to top Christian Bale just because of the overall quality of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. But Robert Pattinson might be my favorite Batman. You haven't even seen the movie yet. Calm I, down. I know. I know. I'm, I'm riding the hype. I'm in there. I'm ready for it. I, I'm i expecting, given how much I like Joker alone, pretty much, I'm expecting to really, really like this Batman movie. Okay. Okay. Also, um, I don't cut any of the noise of our upstairs neighbors <laughs> uh, just so that our audience can uh, get a little taste of what we have to live with every day. Yeah. Um, and also it should be said that the Penguin and the Riddler are two of my favorite Batman villains and uh, haven't seen them in a Batman movie in a while. So I'm very excited for those two. Yeah. It, yeah. And we get Catwoman again. Well, we always get Catwoman. Yeah, we fuck get it. Catwoman. 
but yeah, it, it'll be good. But okay, we gotta we gotta we gotta get to the big guns, the point yeah. of contention, Chris. Yeah, and and it is a little contentious. Cause I, and I quote, thought it was at the t- well. My my immediate, <laughs> I've come down a little bit on the the <laughs> the words the, you said as the words, credits rolled on Marvel's it was, it was hot garbage, <laughs> and I said what? Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. And I, I mean, still don't I, really like it. I didn't really like it. I that's not true. I liked it. I I say, really no, 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 no. you can't come back because you were like, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't not like it. <laughs> I, like, I didn't care for I'm it. Sitting, w- I'm sitting on, at most, a 6 out of 10 on Eternals. But I'm, I, a- I'm floating towards a 5. So I didn't, you will see, because like I then said, after saying it was hot garbage, is that it is the most 5 out of 10 movie I've ever seen. Which I think is ridiculous because we also saw Free Guy together. I enjoyed Free Guy more than I enjoyed Eternals. You, you know why? Everything because, you say makes me want to hurt you. Because Free Guy wasn't two and a half hours <laughs> of just slow, monotonous, cringy dialogue. Some of that dialogue was delivered so cringily. I didn't give a fuck about the romantic thing, and that was a big plot point in the movie. I just, it never made me care about it. Now, the fight scene at the end, that shit was dope as hell. Some of the, well, that was one of the better fight scenes I've seen in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. But, man, it was a slog to get to the fu- the end of that movie. You get to the halfway point, the climactic halfway point scene, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I thought there was only like 30 minutes left. There's a whole hour. <laughs> yeah. I, I recognize that the movie probably did not need to be as long as it was um and it was certainly a clumsy movie and some pivotal pieces of dialogue were not written well but i did not think it was as much of a slog as you did like the movie didn't go by fast but it didn't really feel like two hours 45 to me i was pretty decently enthralled in the characters which is just to say the things that I liked about the movie, I liked a lot. And I thought they were really good things to have in a Marvel property, trying something new, trying something slower. Um, a director like Chloe Zhao playing to her strengths that we saw in Nomadland. I thought there were really, really good things about the movie. It just was an incredibly clumsy execution pretty much the whole way through. I, I think I said this right after we we saw it but i think what would have helped make it make me like it more was if all of most of the movie was centered around different stakes cuz i think the stakes that were involved at the end of it hurt it because it was just like this holy mother of fuck we're all going to die level threat with these brand new characters that yeah, they spent a lot of the movie trying to have you, you know, care about them. But I just could, I could not get behind most of them. Um, spoiler about my favorite character, which I, as you can probably figure out, Chris, what I mean by that, he was my favorite. Um, and then that something happens, uh, and and I just, I, was, uh, I just, I don't. 
I you're not you have not convinced me that that I should care about this group of people to take on this world ending level threat. I do think all the characters around the main characters were more interesting. Because uh, effectively, Cersei, who is the main character of the movie, um, I kind of realized on the ending shots, like, do I really give a shit about Cersei? <laughs> right? But every other character was really cool. Um, yeah. Festos, Gilgamesh, I really liked both of them. Kingo was a lot of fun. Um, and all, all phenomenal actors behind those characters. Um, but... Cersei and Icarus, I mean, like, I, was, I I liked a lot about Icarus as well, but Cersei specifically was like, okay. I I need to know what Rob Starks, because I don't know his, the actor's actual name, uh, <laughs> motivation he was given for that character was supposed to be, because he was just kind of like a wet noodle the whole movie. And then when he's trying to be emotional at the end, I'm like, I've watched you show zero emotion on your face this entire movie. I don't care. Yeah, and I I got uh, Homelander vibes the entire movie from Icarus. It's just Homelander from the boys. Yeah, I I just didn't get a lot of I I didn't feel like the characters while they were acting portrayed much emotion through their faces other than the black guy yeah which who's who is what was his character name that was festos festos okay festus, i feel like like that Fest, uh, yeah I, I felt like they didn't say his name that much so i would never remember what it is <laughs> he was great i loved him yes and he had he, the most he's character he had the most character of any of those characters like the rest of them were just like yeah and my life fucking sucks uh I'm I'm just doing shit. And I was like, okay, cool. What? Uh... Well, that was kind of the point of the characters, which again is something that could have been executed better. Like I, I think any of the characters being mostly emotionless or indifferent to the things going on around them is 100% in character with what the Eternals are and what the conflict of the movie was. But yeah, I, I just... And I get that. I totally get that. I'm not dismissing that at all. It just is a weird, like, formula to then have scenes like the Tenochtitlan scene where the one guy just goes from being pretty, like, cool, level-headed to, hey, I could I could change this in an instant, but you won't let me. And then he just gets super pissed, but, like, not very emotionally pissed. He just, like, raises his voice. Like a robot, and I was like, <laughs> act like a person, please. Like, you know, please. Yeah. Obvious spoiler things for things, but, you know, I get, I understand some of the choices at by the end of the movie, but still. I do, I want you to see the Green Knight, because I want you to see that character, in, or I want you to see that actor in another role, because that honestly might just be the way he acts. <laughs> really yeah but i mean angelina jolie's character was the same way she was just like do i gotta kill something cool. yeah other than that it was just emotionless her having like a schizophrenic attack not to belittle that but what, what or that that step wouldn't be schizophrenia what was she she was having like a it was more like dementia yeah 
<laughs> just like going and lashing out and trying. So it's like she remembers. It was like Vietnam flashbacks, but then like they were violent Vietnam flashbacks. Right, because her power was manifesting weapons. <laughs> uh, you're gonna hate this, by the way. Uh, I I read an article earlier and I just pulled it up to confirm. And Chloe Zhao has said that the character Icarus was inspired by Zack Snyder's Superman. Oh well, yeah, I figured that much out. Like, okay, yeah. But okay, which See, is like no, kind no, of disappointing to hear because if that really was the case, they could have gone a lot farther with that inspiration. I really need feel like I need to watch Justice League because I feel like Eternals is just Marvel's Justice League. I I don't know what you mean by that, but I feel inclined to disagree. Like the. The fanboys will defend it to the death. The non-fanboys are like, it was mid. Okay, all right, that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I do think that in as, as this movie ages and as we see it in the rear view more, I think there are 100% going to be Eternals diehards. Oh, God, and I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, like I said, I'm kind of with them, only because, like I said, there were things about the movie that I feel very strongly about that I thought was really good. Just add, yeah, like uh, that. On the like whole, that, it's not great. Like that shitty, awkward as fuck sex scene that we didn't need. No, not like the shitty, <laughs> awkward as fuck sex scene. <laughs> that really wasn't like okay. I I I don't think ever at all whatsoever is a sex scene warranted in a movie. I I don't. I challenge you to find me a single sex scene that is necessary that adds anything to the characters that can't be implied in other ways because wedding crashers all right i haven't seen wedding crashers you'll have to show me the scene well it's not so much a sex scene as it is a boob montage that sounds inherently different touche like <laughs> and i'm not saying i don't like seeing sex on screen i'm not trying to say it's a, a squeamish thing or that I'd sex rather doesn't watch belong <laughs> i'm not saying sex doesn't belong in my movies because like the emotional connection there is obviously important, and that can do something for the characters. But we don't need to see them fucking to do that. A sex a sex scene is wasted time on screen that is better used for other things. Like, like we saw the characters get married. We see them kiss. I don't need to see them fuck on the beach in a Marvel movie. But see, they fucked on the beach first and then got married. <laughs> okay, fine. That doesn't diminish anything. Like, we have to live in a world now with headlines saying the MCU's first sex scene. I have to read that now, and I'll have to keep reading that. And that's going to be the legacy of Eternals was it was the first time we saw people in the MCU bone down on a beach. Well, we didn't see much. We just saw Rob Stark on top of Cersei. We saw enough. We did get our first gay kiss, though. That was dope. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> In fact, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not gonna claim that this was done well because I am not enough in that community to to say what is good representation or not. But I think the the one line that Phaestos had um, about. Like he said, I wouldn't change anything about the way I was created or who I am. And that that felt to me like 
a representation not only of being gay, but also being a black man. That single line was way more effective and way better crafted than everything they tried to do in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. I would agree. Which, uh, that was another headline I read before we started this podcast, was that Eternals is the lowest rated MCU property, whether it is movies or TV shows. And I totally get why to an extent, but I do think it is kind of insulting that Falcon versus Winter Soldier is still rated higher. Well, and I, I will put that as to another thing I said right after. I, I my Another quote I had was, worst Marvel movie that I had seen with the caveat being I have not seen all of them and I feel like the hype behind this one meant a lot more people were like myself were gonna go see this where a lot of those people also haven't seen Thor the Dark World <laughs> right so Probably because people told them you don't need to see this one so they never did and I will be here, the first one to tell you, you don't need to see this one. You can wait till it's on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the bar on Friday night and see my mom because that's what I do on a Friday night. And I'm gonna tell her, I really liked Eternals. You're not going to like Eternals, and then she's never going to watch it, and that's probably going to be okay. Yeah, like. There, there are going to be things that's going to come up in other movies as a result of that that's probably going to be pretty easily explained, and they're not going to miss out on much by not watching this movie. I think, too, that was one thing I brought up that dropped it at least a point for me was that, and I know, I know they don't all have to do this, but I have no idea. This only makes the future movies and the future, like, where the universe is going forward that much more confusing. Because the way they introduced, like, the celestial birthing and whatever essentially God's character's name actually is was just kind of like, yes, this is a thing that you now have to deal with and you have to know that this exists in the universe. Yeah. They're, they're casting such a wide net with all the things they're doing now that a, I don't know how they're going to be able to tell a story that comes to a head again, like they did with Endgame, And also I don't know how they're going to keep having consistent world threatening threats. That's why, but see, that's why I, I think I'm, I, I get much more appreciation for guardians of the galaxy. Granted, not, I didn't think guardians of the galaxy two was that great of a movie. Um, but, the nature, the sheer nature of what they're doing is so separated from Earth that you can kind of do whatever and you don't go through the whole movie like I said afterwards and go, why the fuck was no one from S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Avengers shown in this in, in Eternals? That's, that's unexcusable to me that no one from the Avengers, whoever would be available, I know you explained the availability of people and I get that, but like no one from S.H.I.E.L.D. was like, hey... Something's going on. <laughs> yeah. And, and then like but but then with like Guardians of the Galaxy, like they can they're fucked off in somewhere across the galaxy or universe, whatever. They can just do shit that doesn't affect Earth at all. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and that's something that concerns me a little bit about the upcoming Spider Man movies is like Spider Man as a character, as popular as he is, and as ingrained in the Avengers as he can be, 
Spider-Man is not the most powerful character in Marvel, and he is associated specifically with New York. He stays in New York. He does his New York thing. He is the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Uh, and, and they've kept that energy alive in the first two Spider-Man movies, where the stakes are fairly low. Uh, Mysterio is pretty big, but by nature of being Mysterio, his threat is not very big by the end of the movie. But now with this next one, they're bringing Doctor Strange into it, and they're doing multiverse shit, and that feels like way bigger than Spider-Man should really be handling. But that does give me some hope for the TV shows going forward, because I feel like She-Hulk is going to be pretty low stakes. Moon Knight is probably going to be pretty low stakes. Um, God forbid they ever do Daredevil again. Daredevil is inherently low stakes. And I want to see those tighter uh, Marvel properties telling stories that don't have to be grand and world slash universe threatening. I'm going to need to speak up for the Spider-Man stands for a minute because your lack of respect to, and I'm going kind of going off off of some hearsay because I don't know, this might not be right, in which case I'm about to embarrass the shit out of myself. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure in the original Infinity War arc, Spider-Man's the one that gets the Infinity Gauntlet and changes everything back. So... He's up for it. Oh well, yeah, I mean, like big, big team up plot lines aside. I'm just talking about the character, like his his normal. Oh, the, the Spider Man that we have. Well, no, Spider Man in general. I mean, oh. it, it, Infinity War or Secret Wars or something like that is a special case where the entire universe is coming together. But just Spider Man in the Spider Man books, doing the Spider Man run. He's New York. Oh, he does. He just likes to point at himself. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think we did it. I think we talked movies. Yeah, there's some other stuff I could bring up about Eternals, but yeah, you know what's the point? Is I don't. We don't need to. It's just more meh shit. So yeah, yeah, I think we did it. On the whole, we both felt pretty meh about it. Um, yeah, I will never. I will probably never watch that movie again. No, and I don't think I will either. I I don't think the things I liked enough. I didn't like them enough to sit through two hours and forty minutes again. But there, oh, there are very few movies that I would sit through that much time again. Well, I, I if I did, I'd just skip to literally the halfway point and watch the second half because the second half <laughs> I thought was a lot better than the first half. <laughs> Tron Legacy, I only ever watched like the first forty minutes and then I turned the movie off. Oh, jeez! Because <laughs> I, I'm only there for the Grid Games and Daft Punk, and then I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, fuck you Jeff Bridges I don't I don't need Jeff Bridges uh, explaining the nature of uh, computer consciousness to me fair well this was a lot less contentious than I thought it would be I thought we were gonna actually throw punches <laughs> I mean it's still good there's still time or, or you me. you throw punches at me because I'm just like oh, what? <laughs> why are you mad I'm right <laughs> <laughs> why are you punching me I'm right yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, hey, follow us on Twitter at obsession underscore pod. Uh, check out our episode last week where we ranked Halloween candy. Uh, and you can see our final rankings on the Twitter, even though I, I botched our final rankings a little bit on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, payday and uh, milk duds should not be S tier, they are A tier. Chris just goofed. Yeah, I don't know how or why I did that, but yeah. Follow us on Twitter, Obsession Let's Go Podcast last week. Um, if you liked what? <laughs> if you liked what you heard here, tell a friend, um, and tell that friend to tell a friend, and then we'll have like twelve new listeners. Hell yeah! That's how math works. 
Um, give us a like on Spotify. Give us a five star on Apple. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah.